Hello, everyone, and welcome to Space Junk, a weekly podcast dedicated to the amazing hobby of amateur astronomy. Each week, we'll bring you interesting and fun discussions with an eye towards providing you with the latest information and advice on the tools, gadgets, software, and techniques for maximizing your enjoyment of the night sky. Your hosts are Tony Darnell from DeepAstronomy.Space and Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, a world leader in telescopes and accessories. Well, going out there right now. Well, now you see that it is recording, so off <laughs> I we see. go. So now you can't You're talk right. about your safety word. My safety yeah, word. Right. Oh, yeah. my God. This well, podcast... Everyone in the universe needs a safety word. You know? Yeah, you know, usually in podcasting, we don't really need one, but I guess with Scott Roberts You're going to need one for this. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Oh, God. Yes. Also, oh, I'm going to need one. Okay. Yes, that's right. Yeah, uh-huh. from 3,000 miles away, uh-huh. man, you still need the safety word with Scott Roberts. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Okay. All right. Well, there's only things that you can do only on, you know, audio, radio, whatever, but you can't do anywhere else. So what is it exactly you intend to do, Scott? Why are you, you giving me this look, man? <laughs> well, you know, I've been on the road for a long time and it's lonely out there. Lonely. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Well, welcome to San Diego. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, uh, here right. we are at this beautiful... I mean, this is a, an amazing place. This is the first time for me to see the new facility for OPT. Is it really? Well, you took me out here before you built it out. Oh, okay. okay so I knew it was a nice place. But yeah. now that it's all built out, I mean, you come by and you see, you know, all the computer rooms and right. all the infrastructure that you have here. And it looks like it looks like mission control here. It really does. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I th- awesome. I thought the last time you were here, we were, we were already operational. No. Uh-uh. Wow. No, you okay. were still moving in. Yeah. You know, so. Oh, well, welcome. Yeah. Yeah. Man. So I'm really liking it. You showed me this room at none of the stuff was in here. You yeah. Know? So, you know, beautiful sound recording room. So it's great. Very yeah. professional. Well, we had to have everything done in house. You know, we like, we like keep everything here. So that's why there's mm-hmm. all these different. Yeah. Sections to the company now, but you know, getting shit done, man. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, not only do you get stuff done, but um, you, you know, your take on this whole industry is a lot different, you know, than than anything else I've experienced, you know. So uh, I would say that uh, you're you're doing things that are really exciting, you know, uh, with your work on observatories, your remote observatories that you let customers use to, you know, all the, all the expertise that you have here, you know, especially when it comes to, you know, astrophotography for beginners, all the way up to the most advanced guys there are, you know, so yeah. uh, you guys have, you have the foundation and the resources to serve. So that's yeah. really great. We live for it, man. We really do. And mm-hmm. mostly we do all of that so that when you get lonely on the road, you have a place to land. <laughs> oh, that's you know? cool. Okay. Hey, hey. Well, <laughs> I like that. Maybe we should get into the I feel the warm and fuzzy and, and, you know. Oh, we're already in it. I'm not going okay. to, well, right. I'm not going to introduce okay. this anymore. Right. I, I, I'm just, <laughs> now that, now that I know what? I need a safety word for this podcast, <laughs> yeah. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying anything. Okay. Um, all right. Let me just say for that. I, we're, 
I'm not going to probably edit any of that out, but our guest oh, nice. today nice. is uh, Scott Roberts uh, from Explore Scientific. He's got he, he has been around for quite a while, and we're going to learn about his company, and we're going to learn about his travels. Maybe not so much about his loneliness, but I don't know how personal <laughs> he wants to get on this. Uh, and also with me is Dustin Gibson. He is the uh, owner of GSD Telescopes, Getting Shit Done Telescopes Corp. <laughs> GSD, uh, GSD. <laughs> okay. He needs to change right. the name. Oh, is that uh, right? GSD uh-huh. telescopes. Okay, uh-huh. okay. Yeah, yeah. And nice. <laughs> we'll we'll have that up by the end of the day. OPT yeah. will now be. You GSD. can have a ring with the GSD on it, yeah. you know, and I, I can yep. see it. I can well, see I'm going to get some man. swag with swag. GSD telescopes. Yeah, there you go. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. I like it, man. I'm with it. Oh, cool. Well, Dustin, before we get going on our podcast too far in the down the rabbit hole, uh, let's talk about our trip next week. Yeah, we're headed to New York. Are you ready? You got all your stuff. I, back? I'm getting there. I'm 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 ready to go. Um, I'm I'm just getting. I'm just playing with my streaming equipment now. But uh, yeah, we're going to be in Times Square, and we're going to wow. Neve, which I think Scott, you're going to be there too, right? Yeah, I'll be there with the Barbara Jean, the Vintage Airstream, uh, like we have the last couple of years, and uh, you're bringing we have, the whole thing, huh? Yeah, that's yeah, awesome. We have, uh, you know new equipment that we're bringing and uh it's just a great show it's probably the best um you know really kind of like a trade show for our industry and you're driving that thing all the way from arkansas yeah God, so it's, what uh, the fuck's it like to live in arkansas <laughs> <laughs> jesus well you know <laughs> this goes back to my isolation <laughs> i'm problem, just kidding so man. no it's I'm beautiful just, it's beautiful it is he it is, is lonely no, I, I'm, like, I'm, I'm married, God, folks. So I, I'm, I'm fine. In Arkansas, though. It's so no, flat. No, man, no, no, it's just, There is not a the single Yosarks. hill. There is. There's hills no, out there. There is. Man, you could do architectural drawings off Arkansas. <laughs> this thing is completely flat. I drove through there one time, and it's just like, oh, my you're, God. You're talking about the Delta. Twilight Okay, zone. this is where they – it is the Twilight Zone out in the Delta of okay. Arkansas. And if any of you are listening that are out there, okay, you know it's flat, okay? But you grow a lot of rice, okay, which is really cool. Really? In Arkansas? Yeah. yeah, they're the number one grower of rice in the country. I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Me either. So, I didn't know that. Yeah. So China thinks Arkansas and, you know, everywhere else, all the rice wow. lovers of the world. You Thank know. Arkansas. Thank Arkansas. That's right. Huh. Mm-hmm. So it's not just Walmart. It's also Arkansas. It's also rice. rice. <laughs> it's yeah. also yeah, rice. Uh, that was a president out of our, Clinton? Or Clinton, yeah. Was he out of Arkansas? Yeah, yeah. He was a teacher at uh, University of Arkansas Unreal. in Fayetteville, professor. He and his uh, wife, Hillary. And yeah, the house that they he got married. for a long time. That's right. That's and right. And a huge so. facility of telescopes, obviously, in Arkansas. Your yes, headquarters. that's right. That's right. Explore Scientific's headquarters. Explore Scientific. So why did I pick Arkansas? You know, living in yeah. Orange County, California. Right. I get... Uh, you know, I'd been here for a long time, get my start in this whole industry right here at OPT, you know. Uh, so yeah, this I, is where you started, man. That's right. You were one of the OGs. I'm, I'm, yeah, that's right. I was just a little, I was almost an embryo when I started here. When you were know? you here at OPT? Uh, 1975. 1975. Yeah, yeah, so I was 15 years old. And, uh, wow. And OPT was already over 30 years old at that point. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. started right after the war, you know, World yeah. War II, not, right. not Vietnam War. And, uh, you know, by a flying tiger, a guy yep. who was a flying tiger, a war hero. Uh, I worked for him first. Uh, and that was that was really interesting. Uh, and that story, you know, I've got stories within stories within stories. It's, so. it's crazy that, like, you know things about my company that I absolutely do not. 
probably things I don't want to know. There are lots of things you yeah. don't want to know. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But but what I will say is is that uh, this business started in the mid forties. Okay, yeah, it's, 40, 47. it's still going on. So that right. that's uh, and it has evolved. It's changed. Uh, yeah. But the heart of taking care of that customer and serving that customer really hasn't changed. I mean, some of the core values are still here, you know, which is great to see. Yeah. Hey man. You know what else else started back then was um, Sky and Tell also started. Sky and Telescope Magazine started uh, in, I think, 1941. Yeah. But this business has has its roots in photography, which makes sense that you kind of come full circle where, um, you know, your core expertise, one of the core expertise uh, components that you have here is astrophotography. So yeah, no, absolutely, and that is that is our job is to serve photographers. Always mm-hmm. has been, mm-hmm. and um, we're still doing it today. Actually, the best year we've ever had in seventy two years was wow. this year. Wow. So yeah, I mean things are things are good and uh, serving more photographers than ever, man. So beautiful. We love it. Uh, I mean, how do you how do you have a job where you just go to work all day doing exactly what you want to do? It's the dream. It is, you know? man, and it it's is. what everybody should be trying yeah. to do. Oh, you know? I absolutely so, love it. And yeah. um, you know, we we try very hard, as you can tell by all the arcades games and massage. Yeah, I saw that. You, know, you have building. like a little yeah. race car gaming uh, console and right. all the rest of it. So yeah. it's got to be fun, man. This is a. Yeah. It's about the hobby. It's about the fun. It's got to be a fun place. Because if it's not, you know, people can pick up on that. If if we're miserable here and trying right. to serve people that are wanting to get into a hobby, it's like nobody wants to hear that. Yeah, you know, they you come in and everybody's fun, got man. a bad look on their yeah. face. You know, yeah, you're, you're getting the fun. hell out of it. So, right. So, Tony, this is yes. Scott Roberts, and um, hi, let Scott. Me you, hmm. Let me tell you hey, a little Tony. bit about Scott. You are uh, well. You're the president uh, and founder of Explore Scientific, right? Right, um, and. Obviously, Scott got his start in telescopes at OPT. Yes. But let me tell you about the the start between me and Scott, right? After I bought the company and I meet Scott, I went about six months thinking you were a complete asshole, man. <laughs> complete. I did not like you. I haven't you called an asshole before. All. But here's what it is. Here's what it is. <laughs> is that, so this Scott that you're hearing right now is <clears throat> always Scott. This guy is just level at this, right? Mm. Always happy, mm. always joking, just, mm. just a really, really great attitude. You're actually a Buddhist, right? Yes. So yeah. And I mean, it's always this, but he was so nice. The first several times we met, I was like, this guy, is hiding something. He's scheming. This can't be real. He has some kind of like, there's a play here. What is he doing? Who is this guy? What an asshole. Yeah. He's got to be making fun of me or something, you know? No. But he just genuinely is like this. Yeah. So hang on, time. Dustin. You well, meet a guy who's by nature happy go lucky, and your immediate thought is, what an oh, asshole? Oh, man. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Well, one of the I'm still there with that. you. I'm still there with you right now, Tony. Uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I don't like all these happy people. No. no. But seriously, I mean, bah, humbug. it's not that. It's that he is so like, I mean, you're you, you know? And if people that meet uh, Scott know exactly what I'm talking about. Mm. But uh, I really didn't kind of get over that until we went. We had drinks. We had some beers before we went into SpaceX. We went to SpaceX. We went towards SpaceX. And That's right. there was a moment that I was like, I love this guy. <laughs> and it was, so we go have drinks with one of the engineers at SpaceX and we're going to get a tour. And they come out because everything's ITAR regulated at SpaceX. They take it very seriously. You can't bring a phone in at all. No pictures. And they give us these badges in this speech saying, we will not tolerate 
you taking photos. They hand Scott his badge. He whips out his cell phone, immediately starts a <laughs> selfie video of him with his badge. And I mean, no, I'd had a couple of drinks. 30 okay, so. seconds in, we're getting thrown out of SpaceX because of this guy, man. And I was just like, all right, he's the real deal. This guy. Yeah, you keep him around. Yeah, but wasn't that an amazing trip through SpaceX? I mean, we were, yeah, we were, we, it starts out, we're at this bar that's next door to the facility. Right. I, I can't remember what the bar's name that's is. That's got to be the only thing they do is just serve SpaceX employees. Yeah. I mean, it's like on their campus. Almost. Yeah. I mean, if you want to go to a very, very cool bar yeah, and just sure. be a fly on the wall and listen to what these guys are talking about, go to this bar. Um, I, I I don't know why I can't remember it, but I can't uh, either. Yeah, but uh, it's walking distance to SpaceX. Right. Okay, so uh, you go around the chain link fence. Uh, you have to be invited in by one of the employees. I mean, you can't just get a tour of the place, yeah, right? right? So, um, and we're seeing a bunch of young people that, I mean, these people are building the the craft that are going to Mars. I mean, the, once yeah. you walk through this place and you see what they're doing, there's no doubt in your mind that these people are going to Mars. Oh yeah. And while we were in there, I think it was with you that the Falcon heavy was in there, right? Yeah. So we didn't even know what it was at the time, but they, they pulled us in and um, this was before all of that. And uh, they were just like, Oh yeah. And so this gigantic thing over here, that's our new <laughs> rocket. That's called the Falcon heavy. And this one will be, this will be the first one going up. And so we got to see it actually in production when we were walking through there, but it was, I mean, you're just walking next to all those Merlin engines and everything. And I mean, you're, you're, it's you can crazy. reach out and touch these things. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we got to get you in there, Tony. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Well, I was talking to Ian uh, before this podcast, uh, Ian Lauer uh, out there, and he was telling me that not only we might be able to go to SpaceX at some point, but he was also talking about there might be an opportunity for Virgin Galactic as well. So yeah, they've they've been asking for months now for us to get out there. It's just finding the time with with everything. I mean, you know, it's always if it's not New York, it's the Yuri's Night or all these mm -hmm. other things. But we mm -hmm. we really do need to get out there. It's it's unbelievable, and this is like the this is HQ. This area is HQ for everything astronomy and rocket related, and you know, Southern California has oh it yeah. All. Yes, it does. It's got an incredible legacy that goes way back. Uh, parts of it go back. Uh, some of the genesis of it is with George Ellery Hale coming out here from Chicago. And, uh, you, know, just, uh, you know, he was having people scout out uh, sites for the next world's largest telescopes. You know, so Mount Wilson with the 60 inch and the 100 inch. That's there at Mount Wilson. So who who was so he was the he was the designer, right? I mean, for the people that don't know, he okay. So uh, George Ellery Hales, probably his biggest talent was attracting talent. Mm -hmm. He he had a vision. He knew where he wanted to go. He had the money uh, backing from people. Not always his money, but right. he could get money. Sure, you know because he was so visionary. Um, uh, and then uh, you know he attracts the world's best at what they do. To work together. Now you can imagine the egos and and all the rest of it that would have played, you know, played into this uh, to build out the world's largest telescopes. Yeah. Uh, I was just at Mount Wilson yesterday uh, morning, and I was talking to um, Larry Webster, uh, who works up there, and Larry's been there a long time. When I first meet Larry, uh, which goes back over twenty years ago, he takes me into one of the old historic houses and that's on the facility. And this was Hubble's house. Okay. Yeah. 
And so I'm going, wow, I'm, I'm standing inside of Hubble's house, you know, and he has kept all the books and stuff, the library of the way it was, the furniture is the way it was. He was living also in this house at the wow. same time. And then he says, sit down. And he says, so I sit down. And he says, sit down like this, you know. So I sat down like that. And then he has me a photograph. And it's Einstein sitting in the same chair that I was sitting in, you know, kind of posed the same way. Wow. So it's just kind of, you know, you start to really feel the history that's there. So much you know? history, yeah. Yeah. And so. Did you see Blake Estes up there when you were there? Uh, no, I did not. But I know he works there full time now. They were telling me that. Yeah, so. yeah. That's, you know, when we lose employees, that's the kind of garbage we lose employees to. It's like, <laughs> yeah, how do you that? <laughs> you know, I lost, I lose one guy to start a satellite company. Yeah. Right. He goes and starts Space Fab and puts up his own space telescope. So we were lucky enough to partner with him. So yeah, I didn't yeah, really yeah, lose yeah. him. And then Blake Estes comes and he's like, hey, I got a job at Mount Wilson. It's like, God, how do I compete? Like, yeah. how, I can't say no. Build stay. a hundred inch like, telescope. All I can say is, yeah. Let him operate you, you it, I guess. Go that's how it. you compete. But You got to go operate the hundred inch telescope. Man. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a once in a lifetime dream, exactly. amazing uh, job to have. And I, the people at Mount Wilson could be more thrilled. Uh, they were they were talking about it. The last time I saw Blake was when I took Buzz Aldrin up to the Hundred Edge. Right. So. Yeah. He had a picture of you you all eating ice cream together. You're right. He's like, oh, I guess you just eat ice cream with people that have walked on the moon. No big deal. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, did you guys go see Apollo Eleven, the documentary yet? No, I haven't uh, seen. How, I have It's it not is, showing in my area right now. It, it's like it not is, that I can find. I saw it up in. Um, I was up in Woodland Hills, uh, 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 I think last night, uh, and I I cut the ten thirty show, and it is amazing. This I is an amazing documentary. I saw the movie, the one uh, that they put out. I mean, this was probably six months ago. First Man, First Man, yeah, First yeah, Man. Yeah. I saw a lot that one of people too. had mixed a reaction to First Man. First Man was kind of a, a movie that's polarizing for a lot of people. You either loved the idea to you know learn about uh, neil armstrong's story mm-hmm. or you were totally turned off because they didn't plant the flag on the moon or whatever it was you know that was such was a bullshit a of- that was such a bullshit issue i mean the flag was in the movie and all I just, over the place it was, yeah. it's like and in the movie like 20 times or so something. wait wait i haven't even heard this why were people yeah. upset they were upset because they did not show them putting the flag. them planting the flag on the moon oh wow yeah there wasn't this big okay. america's great moment and you know it, yeah but, but yeah. it wasn't what the movie was about. The movie was plenty of panoramas of the Apollo One, Apollo Eleven site uh, of the, including uh, the flag. You see Neil Armstrong. I mean, I felt like with you know yeah. he had the ba- with the flag in the background, and I felt like, well, that that seems fine to me. What's wrong with that? There it is. There's the yeah. flag. Yeah, but he, I think even Buzz himself had mentioned something about it. I mean, he is a very patriotic guy himself. Yeah, he is. Uh, a great. American legend, maybe yeah. the the greatest one we have alive today, okay. and the only astronaut I know that will knock people out for saying, "Hell yeah, you didn't." Yeah. Well, he room. didn't do it for. <laughs> you're talking about oh, the YouTube video. Yeah. You guys got. You can go on YouTube, watch it now if you want. Um, but uh, this guy is pestering Buzz. He's yeah. got a Bible. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he's a well-known denier that the moon, you know, landing actually yeah. happened, and he okay. was aggressive. He too was aggressive. Very, very aggressive. Yeah. Buzz. Yeah. So you saw it. I mean, yeah. I, you know, he was uh, Buzz is always a, a hero to me up until that point. And then I saw that 
that video and he became the legend. He is the legend. Yeah. 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 He was in his seventies when they knocked this guy to the ground. Yeah. But the guy just kept, (laughs) keeps pestering him, you know, and, and Buzz is saying, get away from me, get away, get away. He's not telling him anything about, you know, and the guy's saying, swear to God that you, that uh, you went to the moon. Right. You know, swear to God, put your hand on the Bible, swear to God, you know? And he's like, dude, just get away. And so Buzz gave him one. Uh, yeah, he sure did. Yeah, yeah. He, he gave him one. You're right. He is a legend for that. Yeah. Sometimes you just got to punch somebody in the face, I think. <laughs> if well, you're Buzz yeah, it makes you it makes you that mad sometimes. It's just yeah, the, the kind true. of bullshit that comes at you. Um, it, it's it's just part of being in social that's media, true. too. And me being a Buddhist to say, you know, that that I, that guy became yeah. a legend to me. But he, the guy deserved it. So sometimes you, you got to punch did, the man did, so, in the smile. Know, maybe I need to work and, on the Buddhist yeah. thing more. More. Yeah, you're you're a terrible Buddhist. <laughs> I'm a terrible yeah. Buddhist. <laughs> Buzz Aldrin is a great American for that moment. Yes, he is. So, That's right. anyway. anyway. And after you watch this Apollo 11 documentary, you will see. I mean, these guys had balls of steel. Okay, to do this. Oh, the whole idea. Balls of steel. Yeah. I the first time I did an event with Buzz Aldrin, I've done a few. Okay. Uh, he, and he invites me in to speak privately with him in his, his, uh, man cave that he had in his apartment. And, um, and we start talking about the moon cause I wanted to know, okay, I've got a moonwalker here. I'd never talked to one before. What was it like to be on the moon? And he was talking about the desolation of it and how just, you know, just how beautiful it was. And, um, uh, you know, he, he 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 said a couple of things to me. Uh, one of them was, you know, I wanted to know, you know, why we didn't go back to the moon. And he said it was largely because it was a, uh, it was, uh, you know, a Cold War thing. It was to show the world our power. Okay. So he said that that really was the reason. That that was that yeah. was a big reason. I mean, I, I, that's what it it's always seemed to be, and that's yeah, what I've yeah. always heard. And, yeah. But yeah, uh, he he said that he. Uh, you know, he did mention that, uh, and then we talked about how dangerous it was. Yeah. And this is this is why I know these guys have incredible balls because <laughs> of steel. <laughs> like, but, uh, balls. You know, I I, okay. I I haven't seen them or anything. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I would yeah. say I would say that uh, you know because I'd heard that they'd had a 50-50 chance of coming back. You know, if I told anybody, hey, we're going to do a road trip to New York City and we yeah. got a 50-50 chance of right. coming back, flip a coin. Yeah, are you going to go with me? Probably not. Okay. Yeah. Probably not. You're going to go, God, Scott, I think I'm going to skip this trip. Okay. Yeah. Uh, they had, he said, he said the real, the real figures, he said, we did, they did not think we were coming back. For sure. Yeah. There's no yeah, way. It was 50, a one way trip. was like probably yeah. 10%. And I, I believe they had sort of in their mind that this was probably a one way trip. Right. You know? And uh, so they went, I mean, they're on this, when they show the video and it's shot in set parts of it are shot in 70 millimeters. So it's ultra yeah. high resolution. Sure. And they take this climb. I mean, you're starting to get nauseous. Okay. As it's going up higher and higher, higher and higher, higher and higher until they get to the top where they put them in that little capsule. Okay. And they are on this massive bomb. Okay. Oh and then they light God. this thing up. Yeah. And when they light it up, it's in such high resolution and, and slow motion. You can see the individual, fibers in the jet, you know, the, the yeah. roar of the engines and everything. Oh, it's crazy. And the sound of it. So you got to see it in IMAX. You got to go to the theater and witness this because you're going to, 
you're going to relive. If you weren't alive when this happened, okay, you're going to find out what this really felt like. And yeah. uh, for us that did see it, it's like watching it all again for the first time. It really is. And I can tell you when I was, uh, whenever you look up close at the rep, at the either the replicas or the the museum pieces of the of the lunar module, the 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 lander and the the command module, and the, even the you know the Saturn V itself, you look at all of this stuff and how it was put together, and mm -hmm. you know the fact that it worked at all is amazing. And then you any at any point things could have gone wrong, like mm. when you have to disconnect the, the the lander and or and, and and reconnect it in orbit or when you blast off from the moon and you if you miss the command module you know these or, are or these, the engine didn't even start on the or moon, the engine okay? doesn't start and you don't leave the surface right i right. mean there are so many things that can go wrong that yes. it is it's 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 just a, mirac a miracle of technology that it came together and they did it more than once. They and did it again and again. That's the right. The closest being Apollo 13, the closest disaster, which makes even that story all the more remarkable because they were That's not right. only able to overcome those those problems, but get home again. And wow, it's a, it's yeah. a hell of a thing. It was a hell of a time. Oh, yeah. It was a hell That's of right. a time. That's right. Well, I have yeah, to find it. Was it. So, I don't... so dangerous, too, with just being outside. Uh, you know, we've had some huge, um, uh, like, X-class uh, solar flares and stuff, and on some of these things, they emit so much radiation that they said if one of them had happened, aimed at our direction, you know, towards the moon, towards mm -hmm. the earth, you know, of course, our atmosphere protects us and our magnetic fields protect us um, against so many things. Uh, but uh, on the moon, you don't have that. And had they had been outside with one of these flares going on, they could not have even warned them. They could not have even warned them. They, they, as soon as they detected it, they would have already been dead. Yeah. And there was no shielding on the lamb. I mean, if you took one look at the lamb, you could see there was some gold uh, foil on it. But, uh, you know, there's not <laughs> enough shielding. There's not enough shielding on there to really no, save your ass. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. So, so really, really yeah. super, super, super dangerous, you know. And, and uh, you know, you you just uh, – the, the the music that's played in this this movie and the intensity of it – I, I think it's like 90 minutes long or something. It seems like it lasts five minutes long. It's really intense. So wow, that's got to watch I it. I can't wait to see it. Yeah. You know, we are, um, we're headed to dinner with uh, an ISS astronaut um, next oh, week. So wow. Tony, Tony and I are going to dinner with uh, Don Pettit. Oh, from, wow. Yeah. You know, he got trapped up there on the ISS when, um, Tell God, me what, this story. what was that? Yeah. So I don't, you know, they just sent me the book because I hadn't heard this story. It was actually a friend that called and told me about it. Um, Tony, maybe, you know, but apparently when they had a, they had an issue with, oh, here it is. Um, they were extended on there for two months, extended on the ISS for two months when, um, the loss of Columbia happened. Space oh, yeah. Shuttle Columbia. That's right. Yeah. So they were going up there to get him. He was going to come down. And when Columbia happened, he got stuck up there. And uh, apparently that was a lot like the uh, Apollo 13 issue where they just thought, all right, like we have no idea now what we're going to do to get you right. down. And he was trapped up there. But um, yeah, we'll be going to dinner with him next. Well, I guess we yeah, were in, when we're in New York. Yeah, it was a huge gap before we flew again. Right. You know, so. Yeah. yeah and they had to, that was, uh, they came down on a uh, Russian uh Suez, soy, soy, soy uh -huh. capsule, but yeah, we're going to hear about all about that. And I'm looking forward to it because it's not every day yeah, you, too. you spend time. Oh, that's with awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's anyway, awesome. 
Well, Man, are uh, we going to talk about telescopes or what? Are oh, we? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Scott, do you <laughs> sell telescopes, right? Is, is that right? Well, uh, you know, uh, Let's, let's, let's explore, talk about explore, man. Let's, you want to talk, talk about, about your? You want to talk about your company or? Well, okay, I'll talk about <laughs> Explore Scientific. I'll talk about Explore. It's one of my favorite subjects, actually. So, yeah. uh, you know, I had, um, you know, it, I think that everything leading up to Explore Scientific starts from my roots of uh, my experiences at um, helping to form LPT. Uh, you know, going off and working for Meat Instruments for 21 years, did a lot of different things for them, worked with some amazing people there. You yeah. know, uh, the founder, John Diebel, his dad, Herb Diebel, um, you know, some people are still connected with the company that's been there for a long time, but mm-hmm. uh, um it was uh, it was fantastic to rise, you know, see it go with a company that rose to the top of the industry, right. you know, and to see that, um, you know, but uh, the management changed, uh, things changed, uh, going as a publicly traded company. Uh, in retrospect, I would, I, although I know people who made a lot of money with it, right. okay, um, I also knew people who lost a lot of money with it. Um, I, you know, I think I think it was, a, in retrospect, I think it was a mistake. Not not that the company went public, but that management itself didn't change. Because one of the things that I've learned is is that the entrepreneurs that start a business are not the same animal as an IPO management mm-hmm. group. Okay, right. and so when you have uh, people that have to watch for Sarbanes Oxley compliance. And, you know, you're always living from, uh, you know, quarter to quarter. Yeah, your motivations change entirely. Totally. Right? You're, you, you're focused on the profits only. Right. You know, yeah. and it's. Uh, and you really have to be, especially in a small industry, focused entirely on the customer. Yeah. You can't be focused on all those things because then you underserve the customer, which is what keeps you going. That's right. Right. And um, I think they just yeah. had they had too many things filtering off the top of that company. Yeah. A bean counter will think, well, gosh, yeah. you're doing this for a customer. What? If, and they'll I mean, they always throw it out there. What if you do this for every customer? What if you give every customer <sighs> yep. this? You know, yeah. you'll be out of business in no time. Tony you know? and I had Victor, the CEO or the president of Mead, on the podcast a few episodes back, and uh, mm-hmm. he actually talked. He told the story of that, of yeah. you know, the basically the rise and fall of Mead Instruments, and then you know the current rise back to power that they're that they're um, kind of experiencing there. Oh, that's cool. So, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. I, I I wish the best for them. Uh, yeah. uh, there was um, there was just a time where. Uh, you know, certain decisions were made. I think that those decisions were, uh, you know, arrived at simply because they were a publicly traded company. So you so, were there during that period. Yeah. And then yeah. you left when, when things started getting bad or before that? Uh, or? It's what happened was, is that I had always been in a position where I could be the ombudsman at uh-huh. Meet Instruments. So somebody needed, you know, someone rose to the top, you know, had something went wrong. Yep. And now they're writing to the president of the company, you know, uh, they would often hand that customer to me and they'd say, please, Scott, fix this, you know? And, and so, you know, uh, you know, the first thing I'm interested in is, is what is it they're trying to do, you know? Uh, and, and, uh, and then, you know, I would let them know that I was a thousand percent behind them because I was, you know, and I had full flexibility to do whatever it took Mm -hmm. to make that customer happy. And, uh, some of that started to change, and um, I was in. 
I had, tra- you know, I did many different jobs at Meat Instruments from running, you know, I start there, I leave o- OPT after mm-hmm. selling a lot of major brands of telescopes, sure. including Mead and Celestron, Questar, all these other brands. And uh, had worked in an astronomy club, was used to talking all, to all kinds of people, you know, and uh, I go to meet instruments and they put me in the back and I'm, I'm doing repair expediting, you know, and oh. I'm not even allowed to be on the phones. Wow. So yeah. uh, that changes pretty quickly. And then uh, within a few months, they make me a sales manager. Mm-hmm. And uh, so... Um, my my experiences at Meat Instruments uh, went from sales to tech support to working overseas yep. to developing their first websites uh, to developing their the forum community. I did the forum community, um, uh, and they made me eventually kind of a brand ambassador, vice president type level. Which sure. they didn't really know. <laughs> a lot of the people, senior executives, say, "Well, we don't know exactly what Scott does, mm-hmm. but whatever he does, we got to let him keep doing it." You right. know. So, um, uh, you know, but I felt like uh, I had adopted the DNA of the company and, um, you know, I knew I knew what it took to make a Mead customer very, very happy, you know. And uh, um, so I, I try to do that. I can't say that I was, a, you know, 100 percent successful every time. But, uh, um, you know, I did I did turn around a lot of things there where where it had left undone or if we just looked at the cost of it, like, mm-hmm. you know, let's not replace this guy's 16 inch LX 200, you know, with a brand new one. OK, yeah, <laughs> then, uh, um, you know, and I did those kinds of things, you right. know, and uh, it had a great reputation. I mean, it was the biggest in the nation. The company was definitely the biggest in yeah, the nation. Yeah. And um, I believe it's because I believe it's because of how well we serve that customer. That's, you know, that's everything. And, you know, we preach that here constantly, but yeah. it really is. It's like, yeah. why are we here mm-hmm. if not for that? You know, right. you get rid of that piece and none of the rest matters. It all it all falls away instantly. Yeah. So you really have to start there. But you I mean, you took, I guess, that mindset, even when me you know, close that door. And they said, we're going to change the way things are done and enter. It's not that they weren't right? still doing it, but they, they didn't want me to be involved in it, you know, okay. so much. Sure. Sure. And sure. I, I'm, I, I think maybe that was because of, you know, sometimes you have inner department, um, competition yeah. and that kind of thing. And I, I had kind of this overarching ability to step in almost any department and get something done, you uh-huh. know, and, uh, so I think that some people felt that they could, they could do that better than I was at times, which, which was fine. You know, if, if they do, I'm, I have no problem letting go of something. Yeah. Um, but I saw, I saw time and time again where something was going wrong. And, uh, when Mead ran into financial trouble, then, you know, then it got really bad, mm-hmm. but it was the, it was the owner's. John Diebel's father, Herb Diebel, we went through a bad time sure. in the late 1980s. Okay. Uh, this is after Halley's Comet. And uh, you know, no one's buying telescopes after Halley's Comet. You yeah, know? you were in the shadow of that event, right? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And um, he told me, he said, look, uh, when things get bad and you can't advertise and you can't develop, de- deliver new product and you can't, there's a lot of things you can't do, he said, you can always take care of the customer. And if you do that, when the company comes back, you still have them. Okay. You still That's got good them. Advice. That it is was, good advice. And it was, it was true. And I watched it happen, yeah. you know, and he said, whatever we do, he said, take care of this customer, you know, 
because I, there were times, I mean, this is how bad it got at one point in the late 1980s at Meat Instruments. They asked us to bring in our own office supplies. Yeah. And I went to the bathroom. <laughs> this yeah, is a true crazy. story. Okay. You know, there's a, there's a website or a Facebook group that I don't belong, that I don't post on. I belong mm-hmm. to it, but it's confessions of the telescope industry. Okay. Nice. So one of the confessions I'll make that ha- actually was a real story at Meat Instruments, and this is the late 1980s. We didn't we weren't even buying toilet paper. That's how bad it got. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. so you were bringing in your own toilet paper. This is a br- very brief period of time. Okay. But that happened. Now, the reason why I could kind of stand it too, is because I worked here at, at, at Oceanside Photographic Center. Right. And I saw o- Oceanside Photographic have its good times and its bad times. Mm-hmm. And there were times where you know, I'm manager of the store and I'm going, how am I going to make payroll? How am I right. going to do this? And Craig would actually come in and he would just look at me and he'd see that I'd look defeated. And he'd say, right. you know, are you going to let this kick your butt? Exactly. Are you going to let it kick your butt or are you going to fix this? You know, and yeah. and then I would just like start calling people. We just make it happen, you know, yeah. so. Well, you got to have that mindset with any business. Yeah. Right. Because, I mean, there's an undulation to business in general. Mm-hmm. You know, even if businesses aren't seasonal, there's always an undulation. Sure. And so you've really got to have that mindset of just you know, this, we'll get through this, we can solve this problem and we create our own weather, you know? And I think the people that have that mindset, um, they always, they always persist and they always, you know, they, Mm -hmm. they keep seeing a trend. Even if you have, you know, spikes and troughs in that, you see that the, the trend as a whole is always upward. And, um, you know, we see that here. We've seen that here for oh, seventy sure. years, and sure. I know uh, Explore. Explore, you guys have taken some hits. We took but hits. The yep. company has done extremely well. It's grown insanely fast. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about that. I mean, Explore goes from a concept to a major player. Yeah, very quickly. So I, you know, I start off. Uh, I, I, I leave. I, I knew it was time for me to leave me be the instruments. I put in my. Uh, my notice with four days notice, something like that really quickly. I left the company. Uh, and I had, um, I had read some documents about, um, how I knew that China wanted to start up their own major brands. Now behind the scenes at at this point, I I realized that the whole landscape of the telescope industry has changed a lot. Mm -hmm. Uh, at this point you have, uh, David Shen at Senta had bought a, uh, controlling interest in Celestron. And now you had this direct connection, okay, between uh, the Asian supplier, right, manufacturer, and mm-hmm. and the uh, American counterpart. Part. Uh, Celestron was still making products themselves, um, but I knew that it, it had it had changed, okay. And sure. now I knew that Mead Instruments was on a not a very competitive footing, mm-hmm. okay, because they didn't have the same manufacturing strength now that Celestron had. Sure. And so I thought, okay, this is, this is, uh, that's a pretty good model. Okay. Uh, it's a pretty good model. Let's have, uh, you know, experienced, uh, telescope maker overseas, uh, supplying your company, but have them be part owner. Mm -hmm. Okay. So 
that's when I approached, um, I approached, uh, the ownership just for, to, so that they're equally invested in the idea. Is that, is that why, is that what you mean? Well, uh, monetarily and everything. Yeah. Oh, just because, yeah, it's a hell of a hurdle to overcome just getting something like that off the ground. Yeah. If you want to play, if you want to be a a manufacturer today on, on that kind of level, it costs millions of dollars to do, you know, and you got to be in for the long haul. This is not a get in, get out. Uh, let's try it out. Let's see what it's like. This is, you're going in for better or worse. Okay. You're going to take your licks and, uh, you keep working until you prevail. Mm -hmm. That's what you do. So, um, so anyways, I, I start off the company. Uh, I do start off very modestly. Um, uh, I don't have any telescopes. I have some samples of telescopes and stuff in my first year. Yeah. Uh, that first year, I sell $35,000 in binoculars. That's it. That's all I did. You know, and I have a, I have a big mortgage in Laguna Hills. I've got kids going to university, starting university, you know, so, but I promised myself that before I turned 50, that I would start my own business. And this goes back to John Diebel at and Craig Weatherwax yeah. here because they were entrepreneurs. Right. And they, it, it put a seed in me that, you know, one day I want to have my own business. I want to see what mm-hmm. that's like, yeah. you know? So, so I do it. And for better or worse, I step off that cliff and I do it, you know? And, um, so we did $35,000 the first year. That was pretty scary. Um, had all my credit cards maxed out. 35,000 in business the first year. Yeah. Yeah. Had Ooh. all my credit cards maxed out. Okay. Six oh, figures and yeah. credit card debt and yeah. all this other oh, stuff. Oh, you were feeling good. Yeah, yeah. You, you were yeah, proud yeah, of yeah. yourself. This is when you look up at the ceiling, yeah. you count every dot that's up on the ceiling. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. So, any of you guys that are entrepreneurs out there, you know yeah. what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Okay? Everybody's been there, man. Everybody's yeah, you too. So, so the 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 deal is, uh, you know, then the next year we do a few hundred thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and then the next year we break a million. Okay. Right. And then the next year we break. So, what really did it? What was the product that did it? To start off, it was the it was uh, hundred degree eyepieces, you know, and the and the higher end stuff that we have, and um, uh, it was uh, our ED Apos, the one twenty seven in particular. Yeah. Okay, uh, in my second year, we were in Wired magazine as a hot Christmas gift, one of the top ten hot Christmas gifts. So it got Explore Scientific some national recognition just in its second year. Your refractor is actually what got Ginny. Uh, you know, the other co-owner of OPT with me, she's got into right. astrophotography with one of your refractors. Yeah, that, I'm happy to know that. Mm-hmm. She had a 152 yeah. doublet, yeah, just a, a doublet. our Acromat, right? Yeah. Yep. So, so uh, and we talked about getting her into a triplet, so we're going to do that. I have a six-inch triplet that uh, yeah, I think you she'll know, like. Tony is a visual guy. Um, uh-huh. I still haven't converted him you know, entirely over to astrophotography or have I, Tony? You have, you've done a, you've done a pretty good job. I'm, okay. I'm okay. I'm with you. Right. I'm with you. Yeah. I still but like no. my time behind an eyepiece, but you know, I hear you. There's room for both. I feel you brother. Have you used, <laughs> have you ever used one of the uh, hundred degree Explorer eyepieces, Tony? No, I have not. Let, we need to send him one. He yeah. does, he does reviews for us to, sure. to show people these things. And um, maybe like one of your daubs to like do a review yeah, yeah, on yeah. because I'm telling you they've got these big daubs with these hundred degree field of view eyepieces, Tony, that I think that you would, uh, you get a kick out of. Man. I love oh. it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sure. I think that'd be, that'd sure. be really great. Yeah. Now, Tony, where do you go to observe? You're going out to like little Blair or no, no he's in Florida. I have, uh, 
I'm in Central oh, Florida. You're, he's talking have, to us from Florida right yeah. now? Really? Yeah. This is, wow, well, yeah. it's the internet. It sounds like you're right there. You yeah. know, so. <laughs> Through the magic of technology. Amazing. God. Yes, we are here. Uh, no, I have five acres. <laughs> I, have, I have five acres in Central Florida. And, okay. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, no, no, I'm kidding. I've been out there. It's dark, dude. It is. It's dark. And I'm sorry. Oh man. <laughs> Believe me, there's hey, there we, are days. We talk about I know. Arkansas, I know. okay? So, I know. all right. So, anyways, no, I've been out there. So, you near uh, Chiefland is a little north of you, right? Is yep. That right? The chi- yeah, the uh, Chiefland's a little about. It's about, I guess, an hour and a half uh, northwest okay. of me. All so, right, yeah. I know where you are. It's dark, yeah. dark, dark out there. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, I've got pretty good skies, and I'm trying to convince uh, when when the uh, robotic telescope guys uh, <clears throat> at uh, at GSD Telescopes want to expand, then uh, <laughs> I'm hoping they'll come uh-huh. out here. <laughs> GSD, uh-huh. yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm gonna put a I'm gonna put an observatory on your your place there, and yeah. I, so I really yeah, but it's, it's beautiful. So I mean, I've got I've got a I've got a seven and a half kilowatt um, solar array outside, and I go wow. I set up right next to that and i've got i've got power and everything else all night long so cool yeah we need so to send him something for a review yeah. man okay we'll do that for a review i know i know tony would love that no problem uh, i would definitely yeah especially the big dobs because you have these these big uh dobsonian t- that's actually the yeah. first so we got a I, 16 inch you know that i yeah. can send out to you lightweight um, telescopes yeah there's yeah. trust tube dobsonian mm-hmm. and um yeah, uh, send scopes. you the uh, set of hundred degree eyepieces for you to. I just liked the way they looked. That's what drew me to those daubs initially was the yellow, like okay. the yellow down at the bottom. Was just mm-hmm. like, man, these things stand out. Like you know what it is when you see it. Right? That's right. They look that's cool. Right. So that's our they, colors: they do yellow, really black, cool. white, yeah. <laughs> carbon fiber. I don't know. Carbon fiber is a color, but you know. Yeah, well, can I, I ask a question for both of you then? Because as I'm sure. listening to you guys talk, one of the things that I think a lot about as a science communicator when I'm making videos or I'm trying to figure out what kind of content about astronomy that I want to make. I And I live in Central Florida where we have all of these bikers. Now, if you'll just bear with me for a minute, I'll get to the point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of motorcycle activity here. And almost and, and we just had bike week here in Daytona. And, you know, I call it um, the Waffum week, which is white old fat men running around in... <laughs> And uh, Harley <laughs> Davidsons, okay. and and it's 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 interesting because the hobby of riding motorcycles is becoming older, and younger people are not buying Harley Davidsons in the way that they used to. And my question to you guys is: When it comes to the hobby of amateur astronomy, are you guys seeing young people, kids, or young adults getting into the hobby, or are we also as a hobby getting older? Well. I think that – how old are you, Tony? Uh, I'm 22. 22? That's young. <laughs> <laughs> 22. How many times have you been 22? Uh, I'm, yeah. uh, I'm working on my, my – uh, okay, I'm 56. 56. Okay. Yes. All right. So uh, Galileo himself. Okay, now Galileo – I didn't know Galileo. Okay, I did not okay. know him uh, personally. Uh, okay, well, I – I just miss Galileo myself, but you know, so, but Galileo, how old is he when he gets started in astronomy? He starts the hobby, you know, he, he started the hobby. It wasn't, there was no professional astronomers, you know, except that the guys that use maybe those sextants or whatever, you know, the, those guys, you know, the guys that work for the Kings, mm-hmm. uh, but Galileo's a, he's a man of science. Okay. Right. And science is brand new. Yeah. Okay. 
And uh, I guess he is the Ford... first telescope salesman, isn't he? Yeah. He shows the post. Yeah, he's a he, uh, he's not the first telescope salesman, but he's the first guy to give star parties. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's and a better so, way to put it. That's right. So he does. <laughs> There's actually this, a really super awesome woodcut, and you know, so a lot of people ask me why I get into astronomy. I think it was for all the chicks that it attracts. You know, that's wrong. <laughs> no, that's not true. But the, but an inspirational woodcut is of, and I didn't do this woodcut, all right? So it was obviously done by somebody a long time ago, maybe Galileo's friend or something. But it's a, it's a picture, it's a woodcut of Galileo, okay? It looks very wonderful. He's got all the curly big hair and everything like that. Yeah. He's surrounded by these really beautiful women and his telescope. Ah, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but he's 45, okay? He's 45. Which probably even at the time, you know, because this is back, you know, four four hundred years ago. All right. Yeah. So how old did people live on average four hundred years ago? Thirty five, thirty six, forty. Yeah, he's it depend, it depended old, on a lot of things, but it wasn't long. It wasn't long. It wasn't long. Okay, so he's already yeah. on average a really old guy. Right. Okay, when he starts. Yeah. All right, and he lives into his eighties. Okay, so this guy, you know. Uh, he has the lifespan kind of of your advanced amateur astronomer today. Mm -hmm. A lot of people start in their 30s or 40s, you know. And so so it kind of goes like this. You're, you're a kid. You're really interested in exploration mm -hmm. on almost any level. Little kids love looking through telescopes. They love learning about astronomy and science and space and all the rest of it. Then they hit junior high. What okay. happens then? Junior high. Okay. So what happens to all of us in junior high is that now the social aspect really comes up. You don't just like instantly make friends so easy. You know, you're wondering how you fit into the social circles, okay, of what's going on. And, right. You know, do you have a girlfriend or a boyfriend or should you, you know, are you ready? All those things. Okay. It's a horrible time for a lot of people <laughs> and when they're going through junior high and they don't necessarily focus on something like astronomy or science or any of these kind of hobbies, okay? Especially mm -hmm. where it might be a little bit of an expensive hobby. Right. Right? Then you go through high school, okay? Uh, it gets more intense. And now you're preparing for college, university, and a career, okay? College students and university students have no money, okay? Right. So, and they don't have any time. Okay, so they are studying like crazy. Then you start a family or you get married or whatever. You do your career. Again, you don't have money. You don't have time. You need money and time to do this. Okay, you also have to have the inclination. All right. So if at, as a kid, you had this real inspiring time about science, chances are after you go through that hump, okay, you're going to come back to it somehow, some way. Okay. And so, you know, I think that's the reason why you see the so-called graying hobby. It started as a gray hobby. You know, it is it is by its very nature something where, you know, you you have to have a discretionary income to do some of this stuff. Not a lot. You can do this for a few hundred bucks. Yeah, but what hobby doesn't take that? 
I know I mean, that was th- there yeah, that's none. sort of an argument for all hobbies, I guess. And yeah, yeah, I mean, leaf collecting maybe. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't it, know. It probably depends on the leaves. <laughs> yeah, that's but right. I think you know, it's like you're talking about motorcycles, right? I mean, if people get into motorcycles, what are they spending? I'd say at minimum six grand up to you know whatever. Just yeah, like Harley's are forty k. So yeah, yeah, right. exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. You you aspire, you want that better stuff. You or know, if they're into cars, or if they're into guns, or if they're into, I mean, shit, stamps, skiing. Yeah, anything is going to be yeah. about the same price if you can get into this hobby at, say did you have a brand new mount that can mm-hmm. do go to tracking everything 400 bucks right 400 bucks for all of it yeah. right yeah and people can go out and take deep space photos with this and right. know nothing about the night sky exactly priori, so 400 dollars. what right. hobby isn't for i mean getting a fucking xbox is going to cost you 400 oh yeah so i just don't think the cost argument is a real anything you're going to do is going to cost that. That's true. You know? Okay. I mean, that's not a lot and of money. I, I, it used to be. It used to be, but the technology- It used to be, but it's now coming yeah. down. It's coming down. 400 so. bucks, man. I mean, right. you can get into it for 400 bucks on that level where mm-hmm. it's fully computerized. Yeah. That's not and much money for, for so, what we're talking so about. So Dustin's talking about our new IXOS 100 mount. And that, we developed our, we developed a go-to system. We took a clean slate approach. We didn't, you know- uh, you know, I was on the ground floor when we did the LX200. I saw the precursors to the LX200. I even sold uh, the very first go-to system, which was Vixen's go-to system. The very we're yeah. talking Sky Sensor One. You've okay? already released this mount, right? I didn't. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh no! Oh, right. yeah, God. <laughs> I was thinking, Dustin. oh shit, did I? Just I didn't have that safety word yeah, in place. Yeah, yeah. yeah, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. What, I forgot what my zebra. safety word was. Zebra. We never had one, guys. We never, we never came up with one. That's the problem. I like zebra, you know. So yes, uh, no, it's it's out there. Why um, do you have your shirt off, man? This is getting uh, weird. What the hell are you guys uh, doing over there? I, you know, I I, I totally don't know. feel like I'm it's missing hot out in over here. here. It's hot in here. It is hot in here. Made, it's weird. I don't know why it's getting hot, but it is. Anyway, um, I'm glad I didn't. I'm glad I didn't uh, bring out the mount before. You did. Right. <laughs> uh, and I guess since you did, I should have known that you did. No, but you've been yeah. busy. Man, I'm running. I'm telling Dustin. you, it's like nonstop. Man, Tony, crazy. Tony keeps me running. <laughs> so you just got back from something, right? You were traveling. What you can you say that. I just got back from something literally every single day, and it's correct. Wow. You know, man, it never stops. Yeah. It never stops. I love it, though. Like, I got to say, it, it's it's completely self-inflicted. Like, uh-huh. I absolutely love it. But we have so many things we want to do. I don't want to say no to anything. Right. You know, because it's like, how do you say no to, we're going to do this to show people space? Or, you know, we're going to build these observatories or go to Times Square or, you know, this. Yes, you got to talk about that a little bit because, because OPT does this more than... I think almost any other telescope retail store in the world. Okay. Sure. I believe that you are doing, I mean, there, there's been, you know, there's been times where you did it, you know, the company did it more. We had our own astronomy club right. and then that went by the wayside. And, yeah. and then there was this kind of a dry period where nothing was happening. And, and but now you have picked it up, mm-hmm. you know, you have remote observatories, right. you, you're, you do things on Times Square, you do other things as yeah. well. But for amateurs, for the public, and also with professionals. Yeah, we've, I mean, so the way, the way OPT works is we have these boards, these huge boards you see in here, these big white boards, they're like 12 feet wide. Uh We call them 
well, the first one was called the better board. And then the next one they put up, they decided to call the best board. But the way, <laughs> the way it works is any idea that anybody in the company has, you write it on that board and you can write it about any department. You can write it about anything. And the ideas are just encouraged. So like basically they're giving instruction Mm -hmm. to their supervisors or all the way up the chain, they're saying, this is what will make the company better. This is an idea. idea for the I whole have. organization. For the whole organization. Do yeah. this and we will get better. And all of the ideas end up there. And these are where these ideas for like Times Square, it actually evolves from Times Square to a telescopes on tour. And now we're going to Sydney, Australia. We're going to Times Square. We're That's going cool. to China. We're going, you know, South Africa, Chile, all these places. But the idea is just, let's stop asking people to meet us wherever it is we're going, let's bring telescopes to them yeah. and let's show them deep space wherever they already are. Yeah. And so Tony will be with us out in Times Square, you know, in a, in a week. And um, that's awesome. Yeah. And it's just going all over the world doing that. But these ideas are never mine or Jenny's. They're always just like somebody in the staff is just like, man, we, we could do this for people. Sure. And if we can, we probably should. Yeah. And so that's why we're running all the time. It's yeah. just like that's the inspiring. I the ideas keep flowing in and one that's idea inspiring. always leads to another. Yeah. It always does. Yeah. Yeah. That's inspiring. But yeah, it's just an upside down company. You know, all of the ideas, all the direction come from really, you know, through the ranks, the yeah. entire ranks. Of yeah. It sounds like Zappos or something, you know, if you've seen how that's managed. You know, you know? it's funny you say that because. You know, I've lived in an RV for the past three years. I sold everything I had and lived a minimalist <laughs> lifestyle. I sold. That's something we share. I also live in an Airstream, okay, and yeah. got rid of almost everything I have. I sold everything, man. Yeah. I went from an eight-bedroom, 6,000-square-foot home to a 26-foot RV yeah. with nothing. I mean, I have a policy one in, one out. If I buy a shirt, I throw a shirt away, wow. you know? Shoes. I the total minimalist life. I have nothing. Wow. I just bought a house this week, uh -huh. but um, it was, you know, mainly because my dogs, I like, I have two dogs, two bulldogs, and I oh, just yeah. felt like they're going to have a better life having that yard. Sure. Um, but yeah, for the last three years, I've been living like the absolute minimalist uh -huh. lifestyle and I love it, man. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I don't know if you remember my old office, but we had all this super nice, nice stuff at OPT. Yeah, right. And then my office was a fold out table and a fold out chair and literally nothing else, nothing That's on it. the walls, nothing anywhere. <laughs> and everybody make fun of me, but I'm just like, man, I don't want all this shit yeah. that I have to take care of and pay attention to. It's like, distracting. I just want to focus on what it is I feel like is going to get us from A to B mm -hmm. and nothing else. Mm -hmm. You know, they say, you know, the things that you own end up owning you in the end. I think that's a quote from Polinick. Yeah. Um, you know, but it's true, man. You get all this this clutter in your life and then you expect your thoughts not to be cluttered. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. No. You know, no. so I just got rid of everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think Leonardo da Vinci uh, arrived at that conclusion. Uh, the guy, one of the founders of, um, of uh, Intel, I think is who it was. He uh, started out, I, I may well, have this wrong. It's IBM or Intel. Well, Zappos. He lives in an RV outside he of Zappos. Uh, yeah. He lives in an Airstream, yeah. you know, so that's right. Uh, Tony Shea. Um, uh, you have... Um, but uh, I forget which executive it was. I, and I think it's Intel, but, uh, and, you know, listeners can correct me on this, but uh, he had, he starts off with a plywood desk, two by fours for legs, yeah. you know, because that's how they start off the company. Right. After the company is like huge. Yeah. Okay. And these guys have made lots of money. Sure. Okay. He still had that desk, 
you know, you still have that desk. It was just, uh, it was just a nice statement. Like, this is where we started. This is, this is the way it was, you know, and it's just. Well, it's also a um, testament to why you're doing what you're doing. You're not doing it for yeah. the mahogany desks and the, the, mm-hmm. the, the, whatever they, those fancy chairs and all that kind of stuff. Right. You're doing it for something else. It's right. just a constant reminder, you know, not only that you're, that you should be focused in a direction that serves the people that are making this possible, mm-hmm. but also the fact that you have the freedom to is, is another reminder by the minute that like, if somebody comes to me and they have an idea because I don't have all of this other stuff, I can just say, yes, let's put a satellite in space. Mm-hmm. Yes. Let's do it. Right. Let's do it. You know? Yeah. And if, if. I had, if I was spread thin with everything else, I wouldn't be able to do those things. And so how am I serving my team? How am I serving our customer base or anyone by locking myself down to things that end up handcuffing me, you know? So I just don't, man. So you don't micromanage the company. You let the, let this team run this company. Yeah. I honestly, like they, this company is run by this team, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, My job is to be the tiebreaker. When sure. there's two ideas that we don't know, that's a lot of time. Jenny calls me the CEO, the chief editing officer, <laughs> okay. you know? Right. Um, I, I think that's true, though. But this company is run by this team. And they literally, for everything that's happening, they deserve all the credit because they are making the decisions. Yeah. 90% of the stuff that happens, I have no idea it's happening. They usually just tell me, hey, Dustin, you're going to be here on this date. And I just show up there. You right? show up. Yeah. <laughs> right. That and that's my- probably the way it should be, you know? Yeah. So uh, because if you have people that are that on fire, uh, want to be, succeed every day in what they're doing. But, you know, success here at OPT means that you have successfully served that customer. Right. In the, the best way possible. And, and uh, you know, and I know from my experiences of doing it with OPT, how good and how great that felt, you know. Right. And, and you're just happy for them. You're seeing people, uh, you know, achieve their dreams, you know. And the the, the gear that, that's being sold, I mean, somebody has to supply this stuff, but it's just, they're just tools to get it done, to, right. get, to achieve this dream, to have those experiences, you know. So uh, that's what that's what you're doing. And by you going out and, uh, you know, putting up, uh, you know, the satellite or to do these other things, these are, I mean, these are things that um, inspire other people, you know? Sure. Yeah. Right? No, I mean, I hope so. But I think that the most important thing is to recognize the limitations. And I don't want to be the limiting factor mm-hmm. of everyone's ability here to grow, mm-hmm. you know? And the truth is, if you go in any one department, the jobs nowadays are so specialized. Mm-hmm. You know, we have a developer. All he does is code everything for our website. We have, you know, like our marketing director. All he's doing is focusing on marketing and, and all this type of stuff. But everybody in this building, every single person is better at what they do than I would be, Hmm. you know? That's why they do what they do. So Mm -hmm. it is literally my job to stay the fuck out of their way. Yeah. Right? To be there when they need me, but I work for them more than it is they work for me, you know? And Jenny feels the same way. Yeah. And it is our job to serve them. And that's why I say this is an upside down company, but that's what makes it work, man. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. So anyway. Well, I'm glad that you're coming to Neef. Uh, we, we talked a little bit about uh, Explore Scientific. I kind of took you to the beginnings of it. We had our 10th year anniversary last year. Uh, uh, it seemed like it had gone so fast. Yeah. The company grew from 35000 to about a $20 million a year business. Wow. And wow. So, 35,000 so, to 20 million. 20 million. So it was just a really oh in a growth. Congratulations. Like that. Yeah, really. Well, yeah, that's you know, awesome. And that, that is our team. You know, yeah. that's our team too. I can't take the credit for that. And Well, there's a lot of vision behind that. That doesn't just happen. 
Well, if you have, I think if you do have a uh, a determination to serve the customer, that you're going to you're going to attract the right kind of customers, you know. So, um, so you know, we've taken that approach with mass market. We've taken that approach with uh, individual specialty. Uh, uh, customers where, you know, they're trying to learn astrophotography or whatever. Um, and you have like policies where anything goes wrong for the customer, you guys just handle it. Like what's yeah. your, what's your return policy? My return or I'm policy. Not, I'm sorry, your warranty. My warranty uh, when it comes to explore scientific branded products, and this right. is not true of all the stuff that we sell because we kept expanding. Right. Okay. Yeah. But where I actually have real control uh-huh. over, over the uh, product from the manufacturing process and everything, uh, as much as I do with this, uh, we offer a forever, not a lifetime, forever, transferable, no fault warranty. So when you say forever, you pass this down to your kids. It's yeah. still covered. It's still covered. Yeah. Of course, Explore Scientific had to survive until your kids are yeah. old, but I I hope it does. I, and no I hope fault. it outlives so me. So. You drop this off your table. Yeah. It's still covered. Yeah. You you set up your telescope. This actually happened when I when I was running the Oceanside Photo and Telescope Astronomical Society called Optus. Okay. Yeah. We uh, had about 200 people out at little, little Playa Valley out in the Anza Borrego mm-hmm. Desert. And a guy had showed up late. Okay. So, yeah, okay. He comes in with his bright lights on and everything. We have to teach him all the ropes of how to be at a star party and stuff, which we do. <laughs> he gets out. He's having the time of his life. He he had bought a brand new telescope from OPT at that time. He sets it up. Uh, he goes and he observes until early in the morning, and then he falls asleep. And then before daybreak, he decides he has to take off because he has to go to work. Mm. Starts up the car, he runs over the telescope. Nice. I've heard this kind of story several times. Yeah, it okay? happens. It right. Happens. If that hap- if that was Explore Scientific, I would be replacing it. Wow. Okay. My most recent example of something where I replaced. You heard about you know the horrible fires in, in Paradise, California. Yeah. Had uh, there was a one of our customers had bought some of our um, hundred no eighty two degree eyepieces. Uh, it's like an 18 millimeter and a 30 millimeter. And he found them in the ashes mm. and they were, these things are just, I'll bring them to Neef. You can yeah. see them, but they are just utterly melted. The glass is all melted and stuff. The fire had to be incredibly hot. And he found, you know, he found the remains of his eyepieces and returned them to me. And I replaced them with brand new ones. Wow. That's, you know, and I really like that you guys operate that way and that I know this comes from you at the top of the company, but I like that the company operates that way. And even when like the things like Tom Pickett, you know, he got his stuff stolen and there's right. this, there's effort. Yeah. You guys were right there for him, which right. I, I was well, you, like, you got That's man. great. Somebody like Tom that's yeah. trying to serve the community. It's all he's trying to do. And he gets his stuff stolen out of his front yard. Yeah. You know, we were just like, no, that can't happen. Yeah. yeah. We got it. We got a tragedy. I mean, this guy yeah. serves. How big is Facebook Astronomy Club? It's like yeah, he's serving 50, so many 60, people, people to, something like that. Trying to get people excited about astronomy, yeah. and then that that happens to him. So yeah, the idea is just like whatever it takes. We're getting this guy new equipment. Yeah, right. But I love that he called me, and he's like, "Look, you guys called," and he's like, "Moments later, I got a call from Scott." 
And yeah. Scott's like, look, we'll do the same thing. Whatever you, whatever you need, yeah. we're just going to pay for it and get yeah. it to you. Right. It's like, that's so awesome yeah, that that's yeah, how yeah. this community works. Yeah. Because it should be. Yeah. It should But be. not everybody in this community does it, you know. Not well, that's not, all right though, as long as there are enough of us doing it. That's it, true. You know, it's that's just got the community has to be served, yeah. and it was underserved, I think, for mm-hmm. a long time. But mm-hmm. it's just, um, I don't know, I'm I'm happy that you guys are doing what you're doing. Yeah. I just I think am. that, yeah, I think that's really amazing. And I, I'm sitting here trying to think of another hobby where there are you know, people uh, supplying equipment in those hobbies that would do something similar. And I can't think of anything, but I'm, maybe there are. But that says a lot about the, the nature of the amateur astronomy community. If you're thinking of becoming uh, or entering the hobby, this should be mm-hmm. a, a green flag of the biggest order to because this is like, you know, I here are two major suppliers of hobbyists uh, saying that they will just replace anything that happens. I mean, that's yeah, that's great. I believe I believe in any serious um, I, I almost refrain from calling it a hobby because this is a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's true. I mean, yeah. the people that the people that are astronomers uh, and know they're astronomers, it doesn't matter what else they do. They could be a janitor, they could be a lawyer, they could yeah. be a tech right. guy, they could be, you know, uh, you know, an accountant. It does, doesn't matter. Okay, they are first an astronomer. That's who their core is. Okay, yeah. and the people that serve people like that. Okay. I believe in, in almost any industry, you know, if you were like in the serious side of, uh, exploration, right. You know, like rock climbing, something like that. I believe that there's companies that, you know, they know that this guy's an awesome, talented rock climber, you know, they're going to support that dude, yeah. you know, they're going to, they're going to try to help him. So in any kind of lifestyle industry, uh, you need people inside the companies that are part of the lifestyle that really understand it. And they're not just, this isn't just a business strategy. This isn't just, That's it. you know, um, uh, they, they have, a res- they have a responsibility to support the community that supports them. That's right, man. That's you right. Know? I love it. So I love it. Well, we are, uh, we're overtime actually. Oh, I know. Yeah, I was just, I was just sorry, letting guys. it go yeah. because this has been a great conversation. <laughs> yeah. I yeah. mean, uh, one, th- one thing I'm loving about this particular episode is I'm not doing any editing. I'm just going to post it as it is. So. Oh, no. Okay. <laughs> no beeping out of no, uh, stuff. No, none or, of that. No, none of that. It. It's well, all it's there. And, uh, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, I am really okay. looking forward to meeting you uh, next week, Scott. So, you too, Tony. Uh, yeah. Be, so you'll be driving out there. You're in California now, so you better get started, huh? Yeah, I I finish up. I'm, I'll be heading up uh, north. I you know I'm visiting Lick, Lick Observatory. Um, I'll visit uh, Orion Telescopes. They're a dealer of ours as mm-hmm. well. And um, and then from there, uh, and I'll see my daughter who also lives up there. And then I take off. Uh, and as soon as I land, I hop into the airstream and drive out to New York. So. I can't wait to see it. I'm looking forward to meeting yeah. you and uh, getting to know you guys a little, a little bit better and fin- finally seeing Dustin face to face, which I haven't done yet yeah. either. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's going to be an mm-hmm. exciting time. Very good. All right. Awesome. Great. All right. Well, all right. Thank th- you. Thanks yeah. for well, thank all you of you that yeah, might be guess. listening and uh, um, we'll see you at, at the Northeast Astronomy Forum. Yeah. So definitely come on out there if you can, and it can. And if you can't, I'm going to try and stream as much of it as I can while I'm there. Uh, and hopefully they won't throw me out like uh, Scott got thrown out of SpaceX, so or almost got <laughs> thrown out of SpaceX. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's right. Okay. Well, guys, all right. This thank has been you. great. Thank you all for listening. And on behalf of Dustin Gibson from OPT Telescopes, I want to thank you all for listening. And as always, keep looking up. 
Space Junk was produced by OPT Telescopes in Carlsbad, California, in partnership with Deep Astronomy. Please send feedback and questions to spacejunk at deepastronomy.com.